You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Uh, guys, as always, Jeff Lloyd, your host here for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, we are closing away. Uh, people are arriving in Indianapolis as the NFL Combine kicks off. Um, we're going to start to get some measurements tomorrow. Then we're going to get slowly into some workouts early on Friday. Those will all, you know, panel out through the weekend. We'll start, uh, you know, Friday, obviously, running backs, offensive linemen. Get that out of the way before we get to the uh, other offensive skill on Saturday. Quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers, you know, defensive line, linebackers, D-backs on Monday. Um, I always enjoy the weekend. Um, as we said here, we're going to go through some things here tonight. Uh, joining me here, you know, semi-retired, but I was trying to tell him before we hit the record button, uh, once you're in a house full of women like I am, Justin Higdon's going to understand that nobody's going to want to talk about this stuff, so every now and then you might have to find a way to channel it out. But uh, Justin Higdon, uh, first off, how you been, man, and uh, you know, what's the latest? How's everything going? I've been great. Um, like you said, I've been enjoying a semi-retirement. I've, this is my first year uh since i think 2010 where i haven't written or podcasted about the nfl draft but i still follow pretty closely uh as you said i've i've got a house full of women too a wife and a three-year-old and a seven-month-old so i've just been keeping busy with with all that chaos uh waking up early going (laughs) to bed early and all that but uh combine is my favorite time of year uh outside of whenever the browns and uh, buckeyes are winning games but um you know, I'm just happy to be able to talk about the Browns this year without having to talk about which quarterback they're going to take or who they're going to take in the top five. So this is especially a sweet time of year this time. Yeah, yeah, we make the jokes like, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of these sites, you know, oh, they put up their mock drafts. It's like, well, if I got to scroll down to page two, I don't even know if I want to do this. This is like tiresome, you know. I mean, you know, I'm going to get carpal tunnel doing this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, say, I go to, to pick 17 and then I'll tweet about it and someone will say, well, the rest of the mock draft looked pretty good, and I'm like, the rest of it? I No, I only looked at pick 17. Yeah, no. It, normally what I'll do is I'll scroll, and I get to pick 16, and I take a deep breath, and then I just inch it up enough, and I'm like, yeah, no, 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 we're out. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, okay, 75% of you think Byron Murphy should be the guy at 17. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I just, you know, when I have one defensive tackle on my roster, I think that might be a bigger need, but be that as it may. Um, Justin, ju- judging here, it's, it's been a while since you've been back, so we didn't get to talk much about the 18 season, and the fact that, I mean, there's there's no mistake in it. Um, you know, a lot of pressure was put on this franchise, you know, whether it was hard knocks, whether it was the fact that all the preseason games were put on national television. Um, obviously a rocky start, but when finally the, you know, the two idiots were thrown out of the building, it, it was you were able to see that this product there was there was significant damage done in year one by John Dorsey and we were joking before we hit the record button you know that there were some things we disagree with but I mean what are you supposed to do when you go from 0 and 16 to 7 8 and 1 which e- I mean yeah 7 8 and 1 which could have easily been 9 6 and 1 it's a whole different ball game in Cleveland these days yeah I think everybody who uh, follows me on Twitter or who li- used to listen to my old show knows that I wasn't really a Baker Mayfield guy and I, I didn't really buy into the hype, but uh, I, as I told you before we got on the air, I happily be wrong, and it looks like it's definitely trending that way. Now, uh, the ship looked like it was going down for a while until they got rid of the heavy baggage. You know, Hugh should have been gone before the beginning of last year, 
and I think that held him back a little bit. But obviously, Freddie Kitchens and Baker looked like a great match. And I really, once I saw that and I just saw their rapport, and you just kind of get the feeling that that's really important and the way the other teammates rallied around and the way the players were very vocal about wanting to hire Kitchens. I started talking about it early, and I think early in December, late November, that if they were going to keep Kitchens around, they had to consider hiring him as a head coach. And that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly how it went down. And I'm happy about it. You know, I hope that I'm not wrong about this. Lord knows I've been wrong many times before, but I hope I'm not wrong about this, that Kitchens was the guy for the job. And I love the way he uh, he and Baker respond to each other on the sidelines, and I like the way he set Baker up for success. And I think even if Baker kind of plateaus where he was as a great – having a great rookie season, I still think this organization can be set up for success because they have a lot of good talent around him. And, uh, of course, they're going to be able to add some more now with the cap space and the draft picks. So I'm excited. You know, part of me is waiting for the other shoe to drop because I'm a longtime Browns fan. (laughs) But but I'm not going to be, you know, a negative – I'm not going to be Debbie Downer or anything like that. I, I am excited about the way the franchise is trending. And I think they can make some really key additions. And um, it started with re-signing Greg Robinson. I think that was a good message to send. And I think they're going to make some bigger name free agent, at least uh, try to make some bigger name free agent signings and, and trades. And then they've got the draft to look forward to. So it's a, it's a great time of year. It's much better feeling having seven wins, which sounds kind of dumb to if, if right. you're a fan of like a 10 or 11 win or a playoff team. But that's the reality. You go, you go from uh, three wins in three seasons to seven wins in one, and you feel kind of refreshed. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you look, I mean, you know, and that was part of the thing with last year. You know, I think this team could be 10-6. and six. Guys, they were 0-16. I mean, you know, look, I love, I mean, I love the aspirations. I do, but, I mean, you want to get to, you know, playoff potential. You're not going to go from 0-16 to there in one year. I mean, you know, I, there's just no magic juice to bring you that. Um, for us, for me, it was always it was the Carolina game, and just the way Freddie handled that, and it was just like, it was more like, and that was the week. It was like, well, why don't you just give Freddie the job as opposed to listen to Bruce Arians do a couple Browns games where he's basically hire me, hire me, I'll coach this team, I'll coach this team, and you were just looking at Freddie and what he was doing. It was different, and you know, counters with Jarvis Landry, like where did that come from? And it was like, well. If this is working so well this way, and you still got a bunch of things you can add, whether it's free agent money, whether it's draft picks, maybe you didn't even know it, but you have the guy. And I think once they said to Freddie, we're going to interview you last because you've never done this before, you know, go talk to your, you know, the guys you regard, you know, the guys, you know, you respect, who've helped you along the way, get yourself ready for a really good interview. Once they set that up, it, it seemed like, wow, you know, this might be Freddie's gig to lose. And I'm glad it was. I'm glad it is. Cause, and I think the other thing is, the last thing you wanted to see is somebody that would have said for years, oh, God, I, I'd never work for the Cleveland Browns. I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't coach the Cleveland Browns. Last thing you want is somebody to jump in now because the party was good. So, you know, and, and I think that's what maybe some of the guys in the locker room feel like. You know, we want some semblance of what this started as to be our leader going forward. And that seems what it is now. And these guys, I mean, and Baker, I mean, Baker tossed to him like he's his older brother, brother, or like he was like the older guy at the frat house who showed up for alumni weekend, you know, busting each other's chops the way they do. And I just think it's setting up. Um, 
As far as the roster here, like you mentioned, obviously, you know, a lot of capital free agent-wise. Um, you know, 10 draft picks. I'd be amazed if they draft 10 players. Uh, I just don't know how, how between, you know, free agency trades and 10 draft choices, you're going to, everybody's going to fit into this equation. But what are some positional spots you're looking for, Justin? What do you think is going to make it better, a better product where it, 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 it they should, you know, for I mean, because it's weird to say, but I think they should be, Easily enough, they should be able to run away and hide at 10 and 11 wins from the rest of this. Because you, the only thing I fear is Pittsburgh, which just is burning away at the core. Baltimore, I, I you know, I think Lamar Jackson could be a good player, but if Baltimore is going to keep playing them the way they are, it, I, I don't think it's sustainable there. And Cincinnati, <laughs> those poor losers right now. Um, but yeah, what are you looking for? What, in your opinion, what is what is needed player wise to take this over that hump? Well, I, I think back to a chart that got tweeted out or posted um, in a couple different places. That was, uh, I think it was like the Paul D. Podesta slash Sashi Brown team building mm-hmm. chart that uh, they were really working from. And Dorsey seemed to adhere to that chart pretty well. But it was talking about like the hierarchy of, of draft needs or free agent needs. And it, it was quarterback, defensive end, and then um, I think cornerback, and then uh you had offensive tackle in there, defensive line. So you think about last year, the last two years, they they obviously got Miles Garrett, they got Baker Mayfield, they took Denzel Ward at four overall. I think you, you're starting to look now at defensive line, interior defensive line, someone to take some pressure off some of those guys that maybe played too many snaps last year, like Ogan Joby. I know um, some people feel Ogan Joby's uh, better suited to be a nose tackle. And so you're looking maybe at a penetrating defensive end, uh, defensive tackle. You could be looking at another defensive end. I think that's a strong possibility at, at pick 17 because we're not real sure where they're going with Emmanuel Ogba, and he's had some injury issues. And then even with re-signing Robinson, you're, you're probably looking at an offensive tackle because he's on a one-year deal. And uh, so maybe that buys you some time. You might not have to look for offensive tackle too early. But Dorsey... You look at the Austin Corbett pick last year, he seems like a guy who's willing to plan ahead a little bit when he's got so many picks to work with and so much money to work with. So offensive tackle could be one. And, of course, uh, another cornerback because they had some injuries at that spot and they got very, very thin throughout the season. So uh, those are the big ones. And then I think you start getting into receiver. And if if you're all the way trickled down to receiver – you're looking for a receiver that gives you something that you don't already have on the team. That's either going to be a, a, a bigger guy or a guy with elite speed or maybe some combination of the two. And I have a couple guys in mind. Uh, we can talk about that in a little bit. Okay, so you know, we'll do that here as we're headed into you know a little bit of uh, the combine talk itself, guys. Justin Higdon here, uh, all you Browns fans, you should know him. And you know, like Justin says, you know, we all talk draft, and every now and then, you know, you get a tweet that blows up. When we make it Brown specific, all of a sudden that's when it goes haywire. Um, Jeffrey Simmons seems to be a hot name right now, guys. No problem with Jeffrey Simmons, and and look, even you guys always yell at me that I won't be willing to give a second chance. Everything Jeffrey Simmons did the day he walked into Mississippi State probably warranted to where he is now. Probably warrants a second round pick. But the bum ACL, the fact that I would not want to put him on the field in nineteen, it makes it an issue for me. It does. And I'll tell you right now, the tape, the tape is damn good. He's a really good player. Maybe 49, if free agency broke right, I'd consider it. But also, there's a history of these guys with these types of injuries. It makes you a little hesitant, you know, gives you a lot of pause here, guys. 
iTunes, rating reviews, guys. Uh, go over, drop me a five-star. Leave me a written review right now, guys. It always helps the show, and I do appreciate you all for doing that. Um, now, Justin, like you said here, Combine. We're rolling into that, and, um, you know, there's eyes. Obviously, you know, draft, we always have eyes draft-wise on guys we like, but... Guys that, you know, you had mentioned maybe a couple of receiving type of targets. Some guys, what do you like here? Who's who's some guys that, and don't give away the prop bets just yet, but who's, okay. some guy, who's some guys that you're looking at here that you feel, you know, can make a break? And this is and this is what I tell everybody. This is why I love the combine. Because the thing I love is when you're running your 40 and there's 40 wide receivers, you know, you want to be that dude. You want to be the dude that they walk away from and say, oh, or you want to run the best three cone. You don't want to drop a ball in a gauntlet because everybody there is watching. And that's that's what makes the combine different. Yeah, some guys that I have my eyes on for uh, for Cleveland, and I'm not talking about at 17, but um, throughout the throughout the early parts of the draft. And I'll start with receiver since we kind of segued from receiver talk. Um, Emmanuel Hall, I think, is a big one from Missouri. He's... He's built like DJ Chark last year out of LSU, and Hall is expected to run like a four three in the four threes, high four threes, low four fours, and he had a forty inch vertical in high school. They measured it a little bit differently at the Spark Combines at, at, at the opening for Nike, where they kind of measure how long you're in the air rather than how high you jump. Like with uh, when you hit those pegs on the pole, like yep. you see at the combine, but um. He's a he's a player I think they could end up targeting in the second round because the, I think they were hot on Chark last year and Jacksonville took them took him a little bit right before they were picking and then they traded back from that spot and took Chad Thomas another receiver great move you know, the, yeah the hot the hot name uh, a lot of people's receiver one is um, DK Metcalf so it'll be interesting to see how he tests. And if they want to get crazy and go receiver at 17, I don't think they will. But because of the neck injury and the light production, uh, because he only played 22 games in college, uh, Metcalf could be a guy. And he's supposed to be a freak. He's supposed to have a 37-inch vertical at 230 pounds, 4440, four, which would be ridiculous, almost Calvin Johnson territory. And then you got Nikhil Harry. There, a lot of people have questions about his athleticism. But then he's posting training videos from his uh, combine prep where he's got a 42-inch vertical. Yep. And there's high school video of him playing basketball where he shatters a backboard. The main question is not about his, his, his explosiveness but his speed. So his 40 will be important. And uh, the last guy at receiver i got to talk about is Preston Williams because he is a, a player who transferred from Tennessee, went to Colorado State. He had an off-the-field issue where he got in trouble for, I think, pushing his girlfriend. And he pled down to some uh, he pled down to some misdemeanor charge and was uh, suspended there for a little bit. He had one big season as a collegian, but he really looks like, you know, in my opinion, he almost looks like an A.J. Green type of receiver. His tape is, his tape is disgusting. He's, he's really, really good. good. Yeah, he's a first-round quality prospect on the field, and I think he's going to test really well, too. Well, but he won't be allowed to test at the combine. Nope. He's only there for interviews, and that's going to carry a long way. But everybody points to him and says that's a John Dorsey pick. So we'll see. It's you know you already signed Kareem Hunt. How many red flag guys do you want to take? I don't know. Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but but this is where John Dorsey will say, "Hey, look at Antonio Callaway." 
And you know, right? I mean, it, it, it's it, it, and and that was the thing because in you know the Kareem Hunt signing definitely I definitely took some heat on, but my thing was and everybody oh well second chances second chances I was like guys, John Dorsey gave him a second chance when he dro- when he drafted him to Kansas City, and everybody second chances oh, but he didn't even serve his suspension yet guys, um so and look there nobody knows Kareem Hunt could play four games with the Browns could play three could play zero. Nobody knows right now, but you know he is their controllable property. Um, if you're looking at it straight on the field, does it put you in a better position to succeed? It does. Um, you guys know where I stand on this type of stuff. Um, Preston Williams, I don't care that he won't be able to actually test. Look, we're, we'll get numbers, and even if they're pro dayish, they'll be close enough. The tape is disgusting. It really is. He's just. If you told me right now you could have one guy, either Metcalf or Preston Williams, that would be a tough call, Justin. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it would be a tough call between uh, Metcalf and, and Williams. I think they're almost like, um, in terms of the explosiveness and play style, you've got one guy, Williams, who's a smooth, more of a smooth athlete and a guy with great body control and footwork along the sidelines. And then Metcalf's the explosive guy. It's almost like a, a, a watered-down Julio Jones A.J. Green situation, and both of those guys, because of of completely different reasons, are going to drop a little bit, I think. One, because of the injuries and the light production, and the other because of the off the field. And, and, you know, with Williams, some teams apparently have him off the board, so we'll We'll see. If Dane Brugler tells us so. And the thing is, the thing with Williams is maybe there was an incident at Tennessee with some people. Look, we're going to know about that soon enough. If it exists, trust me, we'll know about it because that stuff will come up. Um, What I like about that you brought up with Hall, where I think he would be a nice acquisition and fit here is he's, his numbers weren't staggering. And I think this is, look, Baker will throw to anybody who's open. And I think Baker, I, I'm sorry, and I think Freddie will call the plays where if he thinks you're an eligible receiver, he's going to call a play where you're... I mean, we saw this with Fells, for God's sakes. Um, nobody said, oh, wow, Fells is going to catch three touchdowns this year. Nobody saw that coming. So everybody gets a piece of the pie, which is what Hall's kind of used to. Henry, where they bring up the agility questions, I, I don't know if everybody just looks at the long jump balls, but there's a couple plays early in the year where he catches balls, you know, 40 feet from the, you know, the sideline on the left of the screen and ends up all the way Marcus Allen style, all the way on the other side of the field. So for me, that's like, well, are we questioning the agility with this guy? Because that, I mean, this doesn't normally happen with guys who have agility questions. Yeah, Hall's Hall might be a little bit, uh, you know, he's had hamstring issues. He's had different uh, injury issues. So that's going to be a big part of it for him. You want to see, make sure that he can run the 40 without getting hurt, unlike John Ross. And um, if you look at Hall's high school testing, his shuttle was – his vertical, his 40 were excellent. His shuttle time was pretty average. So that's, that speaks to what you're saying. Like uh, he's, he's a straight-line guy. He's a deep threat. But I think that's okay. I mean he's also a, a guy who can uh, break a slant for a big game. Uh, similar to what we saw with Will Fuller a few years ago. The thing about Hall that intrigues me is he's different from the guys that they have on the roster. But yep. you've got to make sure that that the hamstrings check out, and you just got to make sure, you know that that he's not too stiff of an athlete. But I don't think he is. I think that what you said is legit. But you've got guys like Higgins, you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got pl- Duke Johnson still there. Uh, you got plenty of guys who can run routes and, and get underneath, and and Hall can get loose deep, and that's something they don't have. 
Yeah, and with size. I mean, look, Callaway can get deep, but I mean, at right. the end of the day, he's you know five foot ten and change. Um, exactly. Yep. Defensive side of the ball here. Um, it's it, it's a good year if if you want to replenish a defensive line, you want to go the Jacksonville route, and you want to go six, seven, eight guys that you can trust to take fifteen to twenty five snaps a game. This is the draft class to do that, Justin. Yeah, um, they. You know, if they want to look at defensive tackles, I, I can't believe it, but there are mock drafts that are saying Ed Oliver might drop to 17. If that's the, if that happens, then I think they got to sprint to the podium and turn the card in. These size, but, they got to stop with the size. I mean, you know, and it, it's going to be even funny because once he measures in, oh my God, he only weighs yeah. 281. Guys, what do you think he weighed? Well, what happens <laughs> if he weighs 290? I yeah, mean, oh, yeah. he, he, and he has in the past. He's. Uh, you know, everyone's harping on this summertime report from Lance Zerline where he was down at, in the 270s. And maybe Oliver got a little bit too light doing his uh, agility training. Cause he and you look, though, I mean, you look where he, it's 100 degrees. No wonder he was in the 270s. <laughs> right. And I just don't think that's, uh, I don't, I, I mean, I would, I think he'd be crazy to show up at the combine in the 270s. I think Oliver is smart enough to know. And he's had enough hype in his career. He was a five-star recruit. He's been considered a top five guy coming into this season. He had a little bit of an off year with the injuries, but I think he's going to come in around two high two eighties, two ninety, and uh, he's going to test through the roof what people expect. Um, you got other guys, Draymond Jones. I think is a player that you'd rather get in the second round. I see him being mocked a lot in the first round, and I think he's more. Uh, he is some somebody that they could use because. He's he gets to the quarterback, but he's gonna get he's another smaller guy, and he's he's uh he's actually listed lower lighter than Ed Oliver was going into the season. So uh, Jones is another one. If you want to take the risk on Simmons, you got to expect that he's not going to play next year. If he does, it'll be very late in the year, and you have to imagine they'd have to be in a playoff push. Um, if they go defensive end, like I talked about, pass rush. You look at the mocks and the guys that are falling into the range where Cleveland might get him, Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. Crazy, but I don't production. know about you, but yeah, crazy production. Is he is he a, a good enough athlete? I mean, he's he's supposedly a great athlete, but then you're gonna want to see what his three cone is. Does he is he bendy or he, are you gonna be satisfied? You mentioned Jacksonville; they took Yannick Ngakwe in the third round. And he's not a very uh, bendy guy, just a very fast, explosive player. That might end up being more what sweat tests like. So and that's part of the thing. That's also the 17 is a question mark, but that's part of the thing, though, is because you look at this because these guys are playing the opposite end of Miles Garrett, which right. puts them in. I mean, that, that's a win for him. But yeah, I mean, sweat at 17. It's a question if he doesn't te- if he doesn't test very well, you're going to question whether or not he deserves to go that high. And he might go before Cleveland. Um, you know, another guy I see going around that range, but later is Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. He's an all-time FBS sack leader, but he's another guy I think is going to be not a real bendy athlete. But he's he's huge. He's like 260 pounds. Uh, both he and Sweat measured over 250 with long arms at the Senior Bowl. So, and, and scouts seem to like him. You know, you keep seeing those guys mocked in the first round from. Not from, you know, fan speak mocks. No offense, love fan speak, but you're seeing a mocked in the first round by the, you know, by the pros like Dan Jeremiah, like yep. 
you know, P- Peter Peter King's website or old website, I guess. MSQB. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the thing though is, is they bring length to the position. You know, they both they both measured well. And the thing that I when ever their names come up is, they're playing, you know, they're playing on the opposite side. You've already got that guy, and, and nothing's going to change. And look, Jarnard Avery was great in that role. You know, when he did do it, and that's going to be a wild card here. Is you know how they view Jarnard Avery going further. Uh, you know, do you you know are you going to start using him more as a traditional linebacker, or are they going to keep using him as a pass rusher? So maybe you don't go that early with another pass rusher. We'll see, but it's going to be a lot easier on these guys when you know Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett are on the field, and those are going to be the guys you're worried about taking care of first. Justin, um, uh, defensive back. Um, you said add another corner here. It's interesting with this class. You know, it seems you know everybody has their three they think are at the top, whether it's Baker, whether it's Murphy, whether it's Greedy Williams. Uh, you know, the guy I've fallen in love with is Justin Lane. And part of the reason why I'm putting the Browns' focus on him is you look at Mitchell, you look at Carey, you look at EJ Gaines, you look at the corners they brought in last offseason. You know, they were, it seemed like they were good with Denzel Ward, and it seemed like coming from the combine, I mean, coming from the combine, Denzel Ward was a the guy they really liked at four. But they wanted more length and size on the uh, on the opposite side from him. That's why I keep coming back to a guy like Justin Lane. But some cornerback thoughts here. You know, I I don't want to disappoint you, Jeff, but oh, I no. think Lane. I think Lane's going to be a little stiff in those shuttle drills. So you can no, you notice of, it where he gives up a lot of ground on routes run underneath him. Exactly. Now he's going to be fine, and uh, when you look at vertical and and forty time, he's going to be good there. But it's almost like Trey Wayne's a few years ago, where and and that turned out to be not not a bad player, you know, for the most part. I know he's kind of had his ups and downs, but I think with Lane, the thing is, I'm I'm kind of out on any first round corner here. Yep. And this is big because you mentioned Byron Murphy. He keeps showing up in the first round of mocks, and I like Byron Murphy. I think he's a really good player. Obviously, I think he led the FBS in pass breakups this year. But the thing is, he there was a report this week that he was up from like 176 to 188. And so he's up to 188 pounds. Yep. We just saw the Browns take a, a, a small corner, as you mentioned with Denzel. And, and, he, had his, Denzel, and he had his issues. And the thing is, yeah, he got banged up. And uh, the other thing is Denzel runs a four, three and Murphy and uh, Byron Murphy does not. He, he was not among the top 10, 40 times at Washington spring testing last year. And their number 10 uh, 40 time was 4.45. So if you tax that with the school spring tech testing tax for the electronic mechanism that they test at the combine, you're usually looking at adding about five hundredths of a second to a tenth of a second. And that I'm estimating that Byron Murphy is going to run in the low four fives. Okay, not bad, not terrible. Uh, not, not 17. Right, and um, and it's so it's kind of Joe Hayden territory with the forty. I'm look, I'm I'm thinking he's not quite going to be that slow, but he's also not that big, and um, and the other athleticism tests I think are going to be fairly average. He's he's just not a very big guy. I don't know that he can maintain that weight. And I've even seen you know my good buddy, you know him, I'm sure, football game plan, Emory Hunt. <laughs> he's got uh, he's got Murphy ranked as a slot corner and. I think Murphy's going to get plenty of shots to play outside. He's he's obviously got excellent ball skills, but you can see, you can even see. I, I think the Oregon tape, he gets beat pretty pretty handily, and he has to play catch up. He makes a fantastic pass breakup, but if that throws on time, 
he gives up a big touchdown. You can't harp on one play, but that's just an example of where I think he's lacking in that top end speed. So Murphy's a, a guy, I think this is a huge week for him. Yeah, and, and you know, can he dispel these myths? And it, just even for me though, but I mean, you know, I don't want to pair to five foot ten, five foot eleven, maybe one hundred and ninety pounds after a good Italian meal cornerbacks together. Yeah, you know, it's going to cause you some pause and hesitation. And you know, Denzel, you know, part of it was on himself. Uh, you know, the the last concussion versus the Bengals, uh, bro. If the tight end weighs fifty pounds more than you, you don't <laughs> go low, man. You just don't go low, kid, especially on the sidelines. You know, or need to talk about uh, business decisions with Deion you, Sanders. <laughs> exactly, bring Deion in to talk to these guys. Uh, yeah, guys. by the same token, though, Deion, DeAndre Baker's a small guy too. Yep. I'll give you a name real quick. Uh, Dorsey Pickett, <laughs> corner. I think it is uh, a, a potential day two guy. Jamel Dean out of Auburn, six yep. two, listed at six two, over two hundred pounds, and he's supposed to test out of this world. 40 Part of the freak list, right? Yep. Yeah, right. Of uh, running in the four threes. So and and he had a pretty good year. He's a little older guy. He's like 23, but that's not he'll be 23. That's not too old, but um you know, and he's had a lot of injury issues in the past, but he stayed healthy this entire year. So, Jamel Dean's name really people should watch out for. It. I think you'll hear a lot more about him after the testing. And you know what the best part is? It'll be it'll be that he tests well, and then everybody wait. He's twenty three. He's twenty three. Because that'll come out <laughs> afterwards once people start to do a little homework. Guys, well, they Justin, only care about that with receivers and quarterbacks. Yep, guys. Justin Higdon here joining us. Uh, obviously, we've talked some Browns. We've talked some Combine. Um, Locked on NFL Net, guys. Uh, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, make sure you're following over there. They funnel everything from all us hosts, all the team shows over there. Uh, so locked on NFL Net, L O N F L on Instagram, on Twitter, guys. Make sure you give a follow over there, please. Thank you. And Justin, we'll close here. And this is where you enjoy it. And this is always a fun part of it all. And look, how do you make anything fun? You find a way to make some wagers. Um, so combine prop bets, um, they're always there. And it, we're, it's. Some of these bets, and it's going to stink because over the next couple of days, we're going to find out, oh, well, he's not going to do that, or he's not going to do that. And that's already starting to trickle down here. Uh, I guess we'll start with this one here because Bryce Love, and as much as I loved him in 2017, uh, playing on the ankle sprain, um, Wonderlick set at tw- uh, over 29.5. Um, if anybody reads about Bryce Love and all the research he's doing at Stanford, I hope he can do better than 29.5, Justin. Uh, you can see the the line's pretty low on that, but yeah, I take the over on Bryce Love's Wonderlick if the, if you can even find it. I mean, sometimes they're pretty secretive about that. But twenty nine and a half, I think Bryce Love he's pre med. He's a guy who went back to school for a senior year for explicitly to um, finish his schoolwork and work toward becoming a pediatrician. So I think he's a very smart guy. Yeah, I mean, and you just you hate what he's going through. Uh, it's just it's the worst thing, and you know, similar to Jeffrey Simmons. You just this is the culmination of everything they've done football wise. Obviously, Bryce Love, you know, he's whatever Bryce Love's going to do in you know life, he's he's going to do great things. So you know him as opposed to some other guys, you know, have a better advantage towards that. Um, but you know, so it'll be very interesting how things play out for Bryce Love. Um, one name here, and he's here a couple of times, and this is interesting. And all of these Georgia guys are interesting from the fact that Georgia's kind of getting. And this is the one thing: these Alabama guys, most of them seem to have the numbers in the production. The Georgia guys, every one of them, you're like, well, I kind of like this guy. And, you know, now after Chubb is gone and he had good numbers, Sonny Michelle is gone, he had good numbers. 
It was kind of like, well, did you feed everybody? And Georgia's still playing a really odd offense for modern-day college football. They really are. But Elijah Holyfield, now, I, where I see him, I, I think he'd be a great you know, four-minute running back late in the game. Um, but these tell me that maybe they have some thoughts here that you know there may be more to Elijah Holyfield. And it seems like you know some of the, the draft community is starting to get pretty high on him. Um, the... Uh, 40 set at uh, over four, uh, 4.45. I take the over on that. I, you yeah. know, I like Holyfield a lot, but I don't think he's faster than, um, say, Ezekiel Elliott, who no. ran a 4.47 at the combine a couple of years ago. And the line, they set the line at 4.39 for Darius Geis last year, and he ran a 4.5. So, um, no, I take the over on, on Holyfield. But uh, the thing about it is, I don't usually like to bet. I don't like to put my own money down if I can't make a prediction based on some numbers that I've gotten from the school or from high school, and I don't have one on Holyfield. I'm just going on what I see on the tape, and he's uh, he's just not the type of home run threat that you see some of these other backs. He's more of a grinder. Oh, I I agree with you there. Um, I like him a lot, but oh no, no, I, I do, and I and I think he would, you know, I think he fits well with some teams where, you know, your first running back, you know, maybe a speed merchant type of guy. And when you get a blow, you know, now Holyfield can come in, work the middle a little bit. You know, I think he has pretty good feet for his size. I don't think he has, you know, I'd be stunned if he ran under a 4-4-5. I mean a 4-5. Um, 22 and a half benches. Uh, this one's trickier. Um, I just you know, look I'll at go, his dad. I, I just go, go yeah, over. I go yeah. over to, I just go to his dad and look at his and, dad's physique. I think that's whole, just yeah. like they have it within them. You know, it's, and, it, and Holyfield and both Sony Michelle and Chubb beat that number last year. And Holyfield's rocked up. I think he can top twenty-two and a half. I take the over. Yeah, I, I think you're. You know, if you're in Athens, uh, you, you're making your way to the weight room. There's no way around it. Um, obviously, Ohio State here. Nick Bosa, uh, the forty set uh, four, uh, four six five on the over. This is going to be interesting because if he's truly one hundred percent healthy, and this is kind of all he's been doing now for the last few months, but four six five on the forty for uh, Nick Bosa. I'll take the over on that. I like Nick Bosa a lot. His bro, he's going to be more athletic than Joey, who was who tested out very well, especially in the three cone. But I think that's where these guys really make their uh, are going to make their presence felt in these tests is that flexibility, that agility. Urban Meyer said Nick Bosa is, ben, is the best bender that he's ever coached. But you saw Joey Bosa come in and he ran in the four eights and then trimmed it down to in the four sevens, high four sevens at a pro day. Nick's going to be a little faster, but I take over four six five because he's yeah. going to weigh like two seventy, two sixty five. Yeah, it, it, even when like if you see him running across the field, it's like he gobbles up yards because he's a long strider as opposed to just like he looks like he's really really fast. Um, this one seems weird. Dexter Lawrence, they have his bench rep here, and didn't Dexter Lawrence miss? The playoffs because of the steroid accusation. <laughs> so this is I a weird one. So if he, he if he did take something he shouldn't take with a his bench reps are over twenty nine and a half. Um, but I, I actually have Dexter Lawrence is is really like a, a freak um, by according to Bruce Feldman's and the school said that he did thirty six reps and I really just don't have any reason to think that they would exaggerate his reps by that much. So unless he gets injured, I'm taking the over on that. I don't know if he'll do 36, but all he has to do is 30 and you win the bet. Oh, there you go. All right. So now we'll just go with some general. 
Um, will we see somebody run a faster 40 time than 4.29? I'm going to say no on that one. I think the fastest 40 time will be run by Paris Campbell of Ohio State. And last year, the fastest 40 was 4.31 by Denzel Ward. The school time on Ward was 4.24. You got two guys in the combine at uh, from Ohio State that ran right neck and neck with him, and that was Sheffield, Kendall Sheffield, yep. the corner, and Campbell. And those guys were timed at 4.25, 4.26. So I'm thinking Campbell runs like a 4.33 and Sheffield around the same, but neither uh, getting under the 4.3. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. They're not going to go the the sub four three. Um, if Andy Isabella was maybe an inch taller and about five inches, I, I think he's just a little light to run that fast. But I do think that that dude, no doubt, can run. Um, Forty three and a half inches set at the vertical. This is always an interesting one. Does anybody beat forty three and a half? Um, there is. I I'm going to take the under on the forty three and a half. I think last year the line was set. Uh, the last year, the over-under was 42-and-a-half, and fewer than 10 uh, players have ever officially topped 42-and-a-half, and that didn't get topped last year either. I think the highest was 41. Uh, Dexter Williams of Notre Dame was measured at the opening. That He's the running back out of Notre Dame. Yep. He was measured at the opening of, with a 44-inch vertical, but again, that mechanism's off a little bit because it measures how they hang in the air as opposed to how high they reach on those pegs. So I'm going to take the under on 43 and a half. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, it, that's when, if you lose, you're like, all right, well, I mean, nobody saw that coming. It's usually the way it's going to come. Cause if it is, somebody yeah, he'd who breaks be one it, of the, right. It'd be one of the top 10 jumps ever. Yeah. Like, you know, Byron Jones and his, what was it? 12, one or whatever in the broad or whatever. Right. Nobody ever you know, saw that coming. Best part was is I in, I interviewed Byron Jones three months before. He was a nice, quiet, humble kid. I was like, dude, why couldn't you just told me? <laughs> like, why don't you brag <laughs> about yourself a little bit? Maybe a couple of bucks. Um, Forty bench presses. Um, this is one I always go back to. A couple of years ago, actually, I was Emory Hunt was there. Uh, who else? Uh, Teron Davenport. A whole bunch of guys. We were at Temple Pro Day a few years ago. Uh, center for Temple was Kyle Friend. This guy did fifty three. And this is one thing. It doesn't matter if it's a pro day or the combine. You're benching 225. You're benching 225. He did 53 reps. I was there with a buddy of mine uh, who's a Temple alum. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, dude, you have no idea how much weight he's moving. And it was almost to the point where we were like, all right, dude, we get it. You're crazy, crazy strong. Um, But 40 reps, uh, anybody here, do you even have an inkling that thinks somebody will eclipse 40? I do. I, I, I would take the over on this um, because you've got a lot of strong dudes uh, who have grown since high school. Uh, Quinn and Williams comes to mind. Uh, Plus, he he's, had a, he's short arm, barrel chested, just pounding those suckers out. Right. You've got a, and it's always some, like you said, Kyle Friend, he was, I think he was undrafted offensive lineman. Yep. You've always got guys like that that just come and bust it out. Uh, 40 is not that unheard of. The over-under last year was 39.5, and and I took the over, and it hit. The over hit. I think the highest last year was like 44 reps or something like that. So I'll take the over on 40. They bumped it up a little on me, so they're making it interesting. Once you see that 40 there, you're like, oh, do I want to? But, yeah, I would take the over. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, you know, it's in in these guys now, because it's not a college thing anymore, man. These guys are, I mean... If you've ever seen a college, uh, high school football game, guys, and if you haven't, go check it out. These guys look like full-grown men. I feel weird when I go to these. I'm like, yeah, we're going to sit up way up at the top because I don't want to be around them. 
that's you know just the advancement of you know athletic training and all that stuff. Um, guys, it's been a blast here with Justin Higdon. Um, we're gonna we're gonna sneak him in here a little, a little bit more as we get closer to the draft. Maybe we'll do a couple of mocks together, or whatever, have some fun. Um, but Justin, a pleasure to uh, obviously you, the wife, and the girls. Wish you guys nothing but the best, buddy. Jeff, thanks, and uh, congratulations on the success of the show. You you have been killing it this year, so uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I'll sleep one of these days, Justin, I promise. Um, guys, the <laughs> Locked On Browns Twitter account, we always keep it followed back. Do me a favor, go ahead and follow over there. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, it's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Until we talk the next time, guys, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.